Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, our number is 877 877-381-3811. By the way, has anybody ever seen uh, Anthony Fauci with a mask on? You know, other than at the stadium when it was off, hanging from his ear. Has anyone actually ever seen him wearing a mask? Honestly, I haven't. Maybe there's a few rare occasions when he was putting on a show. But all over TV, he's not wearing a mask, unless he's wearing a Fauci mask. Can Fauci be wearing a Fauci mask, Mr. Producer? All right, I want to uh, address some of these impeachment issues in a way that you haven't heard yet. Why? Because I'm trained in this field. I've practiced in this field. I've studied this field my entire life since I was a teenager. Since I was a teenager. Chuck Cooper, who was the assistant attorney general for the Office of Legal Counsel at one point, and at one point was a friend of mine, no longer, Founding member and chairman of Cooper and Kirk, PLLC. I guess they're worried about a lawsuit there. Anyway, you may recall he was John Bolton's attorney, and now he is effectively uh, Joe Biden's attorney and the attorney for the Democrats. And so on the eve of the fraudulent, phony, rogue Senate impeachment trial, Chuck Cooper writes a piece in the Wall Street Journal. And, of course, the New York Times is so impressed now with Cooper, who they used to detest, just like Kingsinger, who they used to detest, and Liz Cheney, who they used to detest, and Romney, who they used to detest, you understand, that they reported on it. They reported on what? Chuck Schupers, uh, Schupers, yeah, Cooper's op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. Well, let's see what our genius counsel had to say in the Wall Street Journal, shall we? During the impeachment of Bill Clinton, he writes, his defenders argue that his misconduct was ultimately private. I don't know, lying in front of a federal uh, 
grand jury and lying to a federal judge. I don't know if that's purely private. It didn't rise to the level of an impeachable offense. In the current impeachment of Donald Trump, that's a hard argument to make with a straight face since the then-president's offenses culminating in the siege of the Capitol were obviously public and political. What president's offenses? What are the offenses? Does he list them? Of course not. Of course, he does a bob, a head bob, a head weave. What offenses did the president uh, commit? He didn't commit any offenses. I'm not even talking about criminal offenses. So Cooper doesn't go through the speech because he can't. The president's objection to the election, that has nothing to do with what happened at the Capitol building. Any more than Russia collusion did with the Democrats. So here you go again. He's sort of the Liz Cheney of constitutional law now. Culminating in the siege of the Capitol were obviously public and political. So his defenders claim instead that it's unconstitutional for the Senate to try him now that he's no longer in office. Seems to me, ladies and gentlemen, any sixth grader relatively literate in English and asked to read the impeachment clause of the Constitution would come to that conclusion. But not Chuck. Forty-five Republican senators voted in favor of Senator Rand Paul's motion challenging the Senate's jurisdiction to try Trump. But scholarship on this question has matured substantially since that vote. And it has exposed the serious weakness of Mr. Paul's analysis. <coughs> oh, yes, it's evolved with the times. I mean, literally, over the course of hours. So far, Cooper hasn't said anything. Nothing of substance. Let's see when we get to it. The strongest argument against the Senate's authority to try a former officer relies on Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution which provides the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high, other high crimes and misdemeanors. He says the trial's opponents argue that because this provision requires removal and because only incumbent officers can be removed, it follows that only incumbent officers can be impeached and tried. Wow. Such obvious logic. Now, here we go. Here we go with the pretzel. But the provision cuts against their interpretation. It simply establishes what is known in criminal law as a mandatory minimum punishment. Huh? Now, you all may not know this, but there was no federal criminal law or criminal code when the Constitution was adopted and ratified. And so... What Cooper does, having spent his life railing against activist justices and judges, is he's become one. Not a justice or judge, thankfully, but an activist. He says that if incumbent office holder is convicted by a two-thirds vote of the Senate, he's removed from office as a matter of law. Right. If removal were the only punishment that could be imposed, the argument against trying former officers would be compelling. But it isn't, he says. Article 1, Section 3 authorizes the Senate to impose an optional punishment on conviction. Disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. So there's Cooper, who just rewrote the Constitution. He just rewrote it. You know, it's interesting to me, and I'll get to the rest of it. It's painful, but I will. 
They use the word removal from office. Removal from office. They didn't say if the official, if he's not in office, if he's no longer in office, it's removal from office. Now, Chuck, if the state, if the language in the impeachment clause of the Constitution said that the Senate may prevent a former public official who's no longer in office from serving in office, that's one thing. But it doesn't say that. These were very, very bright men. They were looking at the Enlightenment. They were looking at Judeo-Christian history. They were looking at Cicero. and They were looking at Aristotle. They were looking at uh, uh, so many great uh, Montesquieu and Locke. And they, they knew everything. But for Chuck, they didn't know how to write. Now, where is the historical evidence, the time period evidence, anywhere, anywhere to support Chuck Cooper's proposition? Anywhere. I challenge Cooper now. I challenge McCarthy now. I challenge them all. Where is your evidence for your interpretation of the impeachment clause? There is none. None, none whatsoever, which is why they never talk about it. What did they say about this at the Constitutional Convention? Did they, did they say that you could, that you could try, try a president who's now a private citizen in the United States Senate and then ban that individual from ever running from, for office again? That is pretty draconian. And you would think, if that were the case, since they spent three and a half months, out of the five and a half months they were in Philadelphia debating the presidency, debating impeachment, constantly returning to it, you would think they would say something affirmative, something explicit. They don't even hint at it. They don't even dance around it. Not a single delegate made the case. That this Senate that they were creating would have the power to reach into the private sector to chase down a former official of the federal government to put them on trial and prevent them from ever serving again. And you can imagine why. Because they at least oppose tyranny. Apparently not these guys. And some challenge them all right now. Where's your evidence for your position, rather than your kind of squirrely language? Again, the Constitution specifically uses the word removal. Removal from office. And then the prohibition from serving again. The Constitution does not say that the Senate can try somebody who's out of office, out of office, not in office, and prevent them from serving again. It says removal from office. Now, these guys pretend to be, you know what? I'm a textualist. You know, I'm, I'm an originalist. You know, when I read the Constitution, I'm trying to figure out what was intended back then. No, you're not. You're trying to figure out what you want to accomplish today. These never-Trumpers 
dressed up as constitutional lawyers. I don't care if they're former federal prosecutors. I don't care if he was the head of the Office of Legal Counsel. I know these guys. I know what they know, and I know what they don't know. I know what they know, and I know what they don't know. And when you read a piece like this in the Wall Street Journal, and you read it, and there's absolutely nothing substantive to support this guy's opinion, then you have to ask yourself, why is it in here? Why is it in here? To push an agenda. Shall be removed from office on impeachment, foreign conviction of treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors. Why is Bill Clinton mentioned in this? So this, this fails on multiple levels. This is problematic on multiple levels. Number one, he doesn't list the offenses because there aren't any. Number two, he rewrites the impeachment clause. He rewrites the impeachment clause. And as to that point, I'm trying to make the novel point that everybody's saying, look, it's removal. And then I'm making the additional point. They did not say. If he's not in office. If he's retired, if he's in the, they said removal from office. Impeachment is a punishment. You're charged and then tried. It's a punishment, not a criminal punishment, not a civil punishment. They made that abundantly clear, too, at the Constitutional Convention. Now, if I'm wrong, but I'm right. And and, uh, Cooper's right, but he's wrong. Can you imagine how different America would have looked for over the last 200 years? With really angry, treacherous political parties chasing down former presidents of the United States, concocting allegations, putting them on trial in the United States Senate in order to prevent them from running again. It's never happened. It's never happened. And there's a reason for it. It's unconstitutional. Well, this is different, Mark. Donald Trump, excuse me. We've had periods in our history where former presidents have been hated, hated, hated. We've had very difficult periods in our history. Very difficult periods in our history. And yet no party and no Senate has ever lowered itself to do this. And when you have people like McCarthy and Cooper and others who are really become fringe on this issue, especially defending it, they are humiliating and degrading themselves. It's that simple. They have no, no historical substantive evidence whatsoever to support their position and Chuck Cooper if you have a list of offenses that the president committed let's see him let's hear him if you have any evidence whatever in our history to support your interpretation don't hand me some secretary of war I'm not talking about that you're not dealing with some goofball editor you're dealing with me I'll be right back Mark Lovin
Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. You know... (laughs) I've explained the impeachment clause and removal for how long now, Mr. Producer, since before they tried to impeach the President of the United States? Behind this microphone, on Fox, with guests, on Levin TV, it's in the brief. It's not an argument people were making two and a half, three weeks ago. They're making it now, but I'm trying to make a different point, taking it to the next step. It's not simply what's in the Constitution, although that clearly is controlling. It's also what's not in the Constitution. What's not in the Constitution is any support for the position that these pseudo-constitutional scholars, never-Trumpers, are taking. The Constitution does not say what they want it to say. It doesn't say what they want it to say. There's nothing self-executing, but an absurd argument. Utterly irrational. The Constitution does not say, it was never said at the Constitutional Convention, it's not in the Federalist Papers, it's never been done to a former president, that is, that you can ban a former president from office, hold a Senate trial, even though you cannot remove him since he's not there, and then impose a punishment, a punishment, while they're in the private sector to prevent them from ever running again. There's nothing even close to that in the Constitution. There's no wording in the Constitution, whatever, that supports it period. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. 
We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. It's an amazing thing. What do we have, 5,000 National Guardsmen in Washington, D.C., Mr. Producer? We had Antifa rolling through Washington, D.C. this weekend, threatening her to burn down the city, threatening shop owners, threatening people who are eating at restaurants, and there's the guardsmen. Now, did the mayor of Washington, D.C., a left-wing kook, an incompetent buffoon, did she ask the National Guard to protect the city from Antifa? No. Democrats don't do that. Democrats don't do that. Are they inciting Jake Tapper? Are they inciting Chuck Cooper? They're directly threatening to burn down the nation's capital. It's as if somebody sneezed. No big deal. No big deal. Now let's talk about the specifics. This is really the first trial I'm aware of where there's no specific allegation. There's emotions. There's political statements. And then we hear the geniuses. It's a political process. Is that what the Constitution says? It's a political process? Why did they spend so much time on this? No, this is a governing process. This is a constitutional process with political elements, no doubt. But if it's simply a political process, is what the the pseudo-scholars like to say, then there's no point in having any process. Just bring out the guillotine. It's over. What's with the two-thirds? calling it a trial, supposed to have the Chief Justice of the United States. It's just political. Why is the Chief Justice of the United States supposed to be there when a president is tried if it's just political? Why are the senators supposed to shut their mouths and sit down if it's just political? Because it's not just political. Again, this is the fall pack position for people who don't know what the hell they're talking about, but they're paid to talk anyway. Where are the specific, detailed allegations? I can't find them in the charge against the president. Where are the specific, detailed allegations of the president? Not broad generalizations, not anger over his speech, not projection by Liz Cheney. Where are the specific details? With whom did he collaborate? Which individuals? Which organizations? How did he do it? How did they get their weapons if they had weapons? Oh, Mark. The president didn't do any of that. Well, what specific words did he use during his... Oh, the word fight. That's going to be rammed up there, took us tomorrow, I'm sure, by the president's lawyers. So the word fight now. The word fight. 
means incitement to insurrection. Well, you know what we need to do now, Mr. Producer? Take some crime tape and wrap the Capitol building. Because every one of those morons and crackpots in the Capitol building have talked about fighting. Let's fight them. Let's fight them. Fight them. Ooh, you're inciting an insurrection. And while we're at it, we might as well round up any individual who challenged the 2016 election. Because now, challenging elections is incitement to insurrection. Right, Chuck Cooper? Oh, yes, yes. It's inciting the mob. Now, how do we know the mob wasn't incited? I've said this over and over again. How do we know the mob wasn't incited by CNN? By Nancy Pelosi calling law enforcement stormtroopers. Oh, well, if Nancy thinks federal law enforcement stormtroopers, then we can storm the Capitol building. Who cares about, right? Right? Not only that, her sidekick, James Clapper, the number three, he said they're stormtroopers too. In fact, the Democrat Party, a conga line, like the Rockettes, there they are dancing around saying Trump was instigating Black Lives Matter and Antifa to get violent, to loot, to commit arson, to bring uh, whatever. Because he dared to use law enforcement to try and stop them. How do we know that the Democrat Party, that the Washington Post, that the New York Times, that the news media, how do we know they weren't ones? How do we know the Lincoln Project and all the others, where they're outlandish, over-the-top, vicious, hate, they're vile, poison that they put out every day? How do we know they didn't let loose one of the nuts? How do we know Bernie Sanders didn't? Apparently he did it before. Well, America is really bad. It's racist. It's xenophobic. It's unequal. They're going to take your health care. They're going to take your home from you. They're going to do that. A ranting nut, old red on a soapbox, and he almost gets nominated by the Democrat Party. How do we know he isn't responsible for inciting people? We know he did it once. Oh, no, no, I'm not allowed to say that, Miss. No, no, he didn't. I'm sorry. No, no, he didn't. Please, please. And now we have the word that Jake Tapper's learned. It's more than three, more than three letters, but Jake has memorized this word. It's called insurrectionists. Insurrectionists. Oh, insurrectionists. The insurrectionists who attacked the Capitol building. Why are they insurrectionists? Because they tried to stop our constitutional government. I see. Well, why aren't you calling them insurrectionists when they attacked the White House? Or attacked the people on the last night of the Republican convention? Or attacked a federal courthouse? Or have in their mission statement the overthrowing of the United States government? Because they're Marxist anarchists. And they, they committed over a billion dollars in damage. Attacked the cops actually harmed and killed some people. How come those people aren't insurrection? No, 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 no. They're mostly peaceful, and it's a new civil rights movement. Oh, I get it now. Insurrectionists. Let's listen to that for a second. Insurrectionists. Let's deal with that. Who are the insurrectionists? Exactly who are they? What have the media done to find these insurrectionists? 
to identify them, the groups, the individuals. Who are the insurrectionists? Where are they? Where are they? Where are these groups, the insurrectionists? They don't do it. Now, why don't they do that, Mr. Producer? Why don't they do that, America? Because they really don't care about those people. They're using the word insurrectionists and the attack on the Capitol on January 6th to try and destroy the character and reputations of tens of millions of Americans who despise them and the Democrat Party and what they've done to this country, what they tried to do to President Trump. This is what they're doing. And they're going to use the term insurrectionists as long as they can, which means forever. It is an attack on you. Make no mistake about it. You, the law-abiding, tax-paying, hard-working American who make this country work. It's an attack on you. In other words, it's better to smear everyone than be specific about whom they're speaking about. And by the way, this is part of the uh, critical race theory movement, too. When we say white supremacists or white privilege or systemic racism, we're not even talking about the Klan, they write. We're not even talking about the neo-Nazis, they write. We're talking about the white dominant culture. The white dominant culture. That's what we're talking about. They've written about this. I know I read it. It's like Patton reading Rommel's military strategy. I have read their ideological and political strategy. They're telling us what they do. And so it is being regurgitated and burped up by the media drones. By the media fools. Repeating the same thing. And so you hear these hosts, you hear their guests, very carefully chosen, to continue to push that narrative. Jake Tapper did it on their Sunday show. Jake Tapper is a clown. He's also a moron, but he's a clown. Anybody who dares to challenge the results of this past election needs to be held accountable. Says Jake Tapper. Now who the hell is Jake Tapper? Jake Tapper is a nobody. He's a left-wing Democrat. Who's given a platform. By AT&T and CNN. Otherwise you would dismiss him. As another Starbucks moron. Sitting in the corner. Snorting up his latte. Sitting there on his laptop. Writing stupid things to himself. Jake Tapper hasn't accomplished anything. He's never said anything profound. He said, he has said things that are profoundly stupid. So it's better to smear everybody, you see. The insurrectionists. The insurrectionists. Who carries more weapons? Antifa and Black Lives Matter or these insurrectionists? Now, it's interesting because the media want to have it both ways. They want to have it both ways. If these relative few out of hundreds of thousands of individuals, there's no defending this, and I have never defended it, and I never will. That's our Capitol building, too. And these bastards defiled it. Got it. I agree. And the cops, the attack on the cops, it's grotesque. 
if you believe as we believe. For the left and the media, they didn't have a problem with the attack on the cops until January 6th. Before that, it was evidence that the cops are racist, systemically racist, and uh, we have to defund them, we have to handcuff them, uh, we got to, you know, do this, that, and the other. It's funny, you don't hear about that anymore. But what if the relative handful of individuals who charged that Capitol building were armed? Wouldn't that cut against, again, the Liz Cheney's and the Chuck Coopers and the Adam Kingsingers and the, the Ben Sasses and the Mitt Romneys? Wouldn't that cut against the whole left-wing Democrat media propaganda machine? You mean they came to a peaceful protest to listen to the president armed to the teeth? Mr. Producer, in America, do you remember early on when I said, I have never seen people attempt, uh, attend a Trump rally wearing gas masks and helmets and backpacks with hammers and stuff? Remember I said that? Remember that, America? Well, some of them did. When we come back, I will underscore a point I made earlier with the help of our friend John Solomon in Just the News. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. By the way, my beautiful wife, Julie, wrote a brilliant piece uh, on the issue of impeachment. We will link to it on my website because Parler's still not up. We quit Twitter. We quit Facebook. People send me, hey, can you promote this and link it? No, I can't. But thanks for asking. Go to MarkLevinShow.com. MarkLevinShow.com. It'll be up there shortly if it's not up there now. Now, I don't have time in this short segment at the end of the first hour to complete this. So stick with us. I'm marching through the left, marching through the Senate, marching through the media, and marching through the other reprobates, malcontents, and miscreants like Sherman through Atlanta and Georgia. Days before former President Trump's impeachment trial begins, writes Solomon, newly filed federal charges. And by the way, you know, any reporter could have found this up, but they don't want to. Instead, they want to sit there like Jake Tapper. As if he's sitting on a loaf of, uh, never mind. 
compelling evidence that the accused perpetrators of the Capitol riots pre-planned their attack days and weeks in advance in plain sight of an FBI that vowed to be vigilant to extremist threats. So Washington is covering up, and the Democrats are using this as an opportunity to try and destroy half the country. Does an FBI affidavit supporting charges against more than 200 defendants show rioters engaged in advanced planning on social media sites? By the way, you know what their favorite social media site was for planning violence, Mr. Producer? Facebook. The planning included training, casing sites, identifying commanders on the scene, and requests for donations of cash as well as combat and communication gear. Oh, wow, that Trump speech must have really gotten them worked up, don't you think? More than a half dozen of the suspects are now charged with conspiracy to commit violence for actions predating the January 6th riots. The early actions identified in court documents date back to November, with planning and rhetoric accelerating after Christmas, court records show. That growing body of evidence raises questions about whether the FBI and other security agencies acted proactively enough to thwart the violence. I would vote they didn't. It also undercuts the House Democrats' impeachment claim, supported by 10 Republicans, that Trump's speech spontaneously incited the riots, legal experts told Just the News. I would hope that those 10 Republicans, and hopefully even some Democrats, would say, as we now look at the timelines that media... The New York Times, the Washington Post, and all are reporting on. Here's exactly it. The facts, said Ken Starr, the former federal appeals judge, solicitor general, and Whitewater Independent Counsel. House lawmakers made a huge, colossal blunder, Starr said, who was a member of the defense team for Trump's first Senate impeachment trial. So walk back and apologize to the former president. Apologize to the American people that I never should have voted in favor of this without the benefit of all the facts. I rushed the judgment. Yeah, but, but, you know, Chuck Cooper thinks that's okay. All these offenses were apparently committed. Nobody's ever going to want Chuck on their jury. I don't think I've ever wanted him defending me. Trump's lawyers are planning to argue the president's speech did not in fact incite violence, but rather called for a peaceful protest and was protected by the First Amendment. They're also preparing a video montage showing Democrats making comments encouraging violence dating to last summer's BLM protests. George Washington University legal scholar Jonathan Turley, a Democrat, who has defended Trump on impeachment issues, argued in a column published Sunday in the Hill newspaper that the impeachment claims do not meet the legal standard of incitement. They don't meet any standard of incitement. None. It's much easier to claim easy prosecutions than to prosecute such made-for-television charges, Turley wrote. I don't fault these experts for speculating about such a case, but many claim that prosecution be, be, would be relatively simple. That is just not true. All right, more. Stay with me. We're making a very comprehensive case, and we need to go beyond the first hour. Stick with me. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. As you can tell, what I'm doing here is trying to build the case against the Democrats, against the Democrats in the Senate, against the Democrats in the House, against what the media are doing, against what the never-Trumpers are doing, against what the legal analysts are doing, because the President of the United States, is an, or former President of the United States, is an innocent man. And in addition to being an innocent man, the questions should be for the Democrats in the Senate, not for the ex-President. The doubters should be focused on what they're doing. It is ahistorical, it is a-traditional. And it is, it is clearly uh, a breakout from our constitutional box. And to see people giving aid and comfort to this is shocking. But their names will forever go down, not in history, because history will ignore them as well it should, but forever go down with the ship of the left. Now let us continue with the excellent John Solomon piece, which builds on these past New York Times and Washington Post stories, which I had to report because they had information leaked to them about all the organizing that took place prior to the president's speech. The problem is free speech, writes Turley. The remarks of President last month, Trump, would not satisfy the test in the landmark free speech case, Brandenburg versus Ohio, when the Supreme Court said... Advocacy of the use of force or law violation is protected unless it's imminent. Now, I'm going to say something that I hope is not misinterpreted. The president's not being prosecuted in a court of criminal law. Most of this doesn't matter. Most of this doesn't matter. And I have nothing but the highest regard for Professor Turley. The president is being tried by a Senate that does not have jurisdiction on a single charge that does not have any basis in fact. Without any due process whatsoever, which has been the tradition of every single impeachment in the past. This is why we have raised and Judge Starr has raised the issue of a bill of attainder. A bill of attainder is, in this case, a legislative body or the Senate coming up with a penalty that it seeks to apply against one individual, against a citizen. And that is unconstitutional. Why? Because the colonists, the founders of this country, suffered from these bills that would be issued by Parliament against some of the leading figures in the revolutionary movement, and even before. And so they, knew, they knew how unjust that was. So the Constitution specifically outlaws bills of attainder. And that's exactly what this is. And I noticed Chuck, Sh- Chuck, Chuck Schumer, yeah, pretty close. Chuck Cooper didn't, didn't address that either. And so this isn't a criminal case. If it were a criminal case, the President of the United States would have a bevy of protections. 
It's not a constitutional case. It's not a political case. It's the French Revolution. We've talked about this before. This is the French Revolution. The guillotine's already set up. None of the rest matters. I noticed one of the news networks did a poll and they found that the majority of Americans supported convicting the president. I thought, wouldn't that news outlet be great in the old days with the lynch mobs, Mr. Producer? Now, how many of you support pulling this guy out of jail and hanging him from a tree? Oh, look at that. Look at the vote. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. Beyond the First Amendment, writes Solomon in Just the News, the FBI's investigation provides growing evidence that the riot was not spontaneous but planned. For instance, last week, federal prosecutors filed an affidavit showing that two days after Christmas, an anti-government activist named Ethan Nordine in the state of Washington posted a message on his parlor account as he planned to come to Washington for the January 6th Capitol protest. It made a fundraising appeal to, quote, help us with safety, protective gear, and communications equipment, unquote, according to FBI documents. Panman escalated the rhetoric as he prepared to come to the Capitol, suggesting violence was imminent. Let them remember the day they decided to make war with us, he allegedly wrote. Screenshots taken from a video show Nordine and other Proud Boys dressed in tactical gear, along with the phrase, back the yellow, which is a phrase commonly used to show support for the Proud Boys, said the FBI affidavit. FBI affidavits filed against other defendants in the attack detail extensive fundraising efforts on popular and public websites like GoFundMe and the Christian fundraising site Give, Send, Go, prompting a crackdown on those sites. One of the cases in which the FBI's detailed the most extensive pre-planning involves the conspiracy charges against Thomas Edward Caldwell, Donovan Ray Kroll, and Jessica Marie Watkins. Evidence uncovered in the course of the investigation, Democrats, uh, Democrats, yep, demonstrates that not only did Caldwell, Crowell, Watkins, and others conspire to forcibly storm the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, they communicated with one another in advance of the incursion and planned their attack, the FBI affidavit state. See, this all undermines, all undermines the impeachment, undermines the 10 Republicans, undermines the five Republicans in the Senate, undermines the entire narrative. The FBI alleges intercepted audio from the January 6th attacks shows the three discussing sticking to a plan. We have a good group, Watson's quoted as saying in one of the transmissions. We're about 30, 40 of us. We're sticking together and sticking to the plan. Does that sound spontaneous to you, ladies and gentlemen? The affidavit also cites a pre-riot meeting at a Northern Virginia hotel. In one Facebook message, Kroll tells Caldwell, we'll probably call you tomorrow, mainly because I'd like to know what the WTF plan is. You are the man, Commander. The FBI also states that days before the riot, Caldwell appeared to refer to Oath Keepers leader, Elmer Stewart Rhodes, in a Facebook message to group members, in which he, bear with me, talked about coordinating with activists from other states. I don't know if Stewie has even gotten out his call to arms, but it's a little friggin' late, Caldwell wrote, according to the FBI, 
This is one we're doing on our own. We will link up with a North Carolina crew. As the FBI uses open source social media to make its case against many of the accused perpetrators, questions are also arising about why the FBI didn't do more beforehand to thwart actors. We're talking about war, violence, combat, when they got to Washington. FBI officials, when pressed about whether agents were too complacent before the attacks, noted that an alert was sent January 4. This is was in the New York Times. To the Joint Terrorism Task Force in Washington, D.C., warning of possible violence. They also cited Director Chris Ray's testimony in September to the House, and that is the Judiciary Committee, which he vowed vigilance against anti-government and white supremacist activists, but warned the Bureau often feels constrained by the line between the First Amendment and imminent violence. And then, none of that was in Chuck Cooper's article today, or yesterday. None of that is in the House Democrats' attack on President Trump because it works against their narrative. When we come back, I have in front of me a copy of a letter to the Honorable Nancy Pelosi. I don't know what's so honorable about her. With a copy to Stempy Hoyer, Kevin McCarthy, Chuck Sh- uh, Schumer, and Mitch McConnell from Stephen Sund, S-U-N-D, the former chief of police, U.S. Capitol Police. There's a couple passages in this letter that I want you to hear, too. You will know more about this than any viewer of CNN, MSNBC, probably even Fox. You will know more about this than any reader of the New York Times and the Washington Post. That Donald Trump is an innocent man. We have this kind of French Revolution going on in this country now. We have both the mob. What's a little different about this one, though, as I keep saying, is we have the mob and the monarchy. And they're working together in the Democrat Party. We have Biden. And then we have the mob in Congress and in the media. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Now you know why propagandists and the big liars, as Biden would call, guys like Jake Tapper keep talking about the insurrectionists rather than telling us exactly who it is that they're calling insurrectionists. Because to do that demonstrates that there was no spontaneous attack on the Capitol building, that it was all organized. Somehow the FBI and others who did have a beat on it 
didn't pursue it. And you're going to hear more about what happened with leaders in Congress in a moment. These are facts. This is why they cannot detail no specificity whatsoever in the allegations against the president. Why people, polemicists like Cooper write in the Wall Street Journal that the offenses committed by the president, what offenses committed by the president? It's just shocking. And so now the media narrative is all these people there, they're insurrectionists. The Trump supporters are insurrectionists. These are the insurrectionists. These people armed up, they coordinated, and they attacked the Capitol building. Just like the left is armed up, coordinated, and attacked businesses and others and so forth and so on. I will note they didn't shoot anybody, did they, Mr. Producer? I don't think so. That doesn't mean they get a pass. I'm just trying to figure all this out with the rest of you. And so in this letter to Eva Pelosi on February 1st, a week ago, the former head of the Capitol Police writes, On Monday, January 4, I I approached the two sergeant of arms. Remember, they each report, one to McConnell, one to Eva, to request the assistance of the National Guard two days before. As I had no authority to do so without an emergency declaration by the Capitol Police Board. My regular interactions with the Capitol Police Board, the CPB, outside of our monthly meetings regarding law enforcement matters, were conducted with the House and Senate Sergeant of Arms, the two members of the board who have law enforcement experience. I first spoke with the House Sergeant of Arms to request the National Guard. Mr. Irving stated that he was concerned about the optics and didn't feel that the intelligence supported it. All right, so this is the sergeant of arms appointed by Pelosi and who reports to Pelosi. He referred me to the Senate sergeant of arms, who's currently the chair of this board, to get his thoughts on the request. Now, the sergeant of arms at the Senate at that time reported to McConnell. I then spoke to Mr. Stenger, the sergeant arms for the Senate, and again requested the National Guard. Instead of approving the use of the National Guard, however, Mr. Stenger suggested I ask them how quickly we could get support if needed and to, quote, lean forward, unquote, in case we had to request assistance on January 6th. So this is very important. I've been talking about this. So the two appointees, one of McConnell, one of Pelosi, when this man, two days before, The head of the Capitol Police urged them to use the National Guard. Refused. Refused. And I keep asking, what did McConnell know? And when did he know it? What did Pelosi know? And when did she know it? And you'll notice they're two of the angriest people against Trump. And I think one of the reasons is they're covering their own tracks. What did they know? These are their appointees. Why won't the media ask them? Well, we know why. That's a foolish question. Never mind. Later on in the letter, it's a long letter, the gentleman writes to Pelosi, in the days leading up to January 6th, we were briefed, listen to this, we briefed a number of members of Congress who had requested an advanced briefing on our security plan and the permitted demonstration activity schedule for January 6th, 2021. The members that were briefed in advance included Chairman Blunt, who is a right-hand man of McConnell. Chairperson Lofgren, a left-wing kook. Again, a right-hand woman for Pelosi. Chairman Ryan and Representative Waters. 
We inform these members of the expectation of protests, current permitted First Amendment activity on Capitol grounds, our response planning efforts and established perimeter, as well as enhanced member security initiatives, such as increased checks on residences and the ability of the United States Capitol Police to respond off Capitol grounds to assist members safely getting to the Capitol if needed. Contrary to some allegations made to the media, I did not at any time misrepresent any facts to members of Congress. This was an accurate reporting of our intelligence and threat assessment at the time. Now, on top of that, folks, because the NYPD, the greatest police force in the world, despite what's been done to those poor fellows and ladies, and the Norfolk FBI office told the Washington FBI office of the pre-planning and the threat potential. The information was shared with the Terrorism Task Force. That means all relevant local, state, regional, and federal police and law enforcement authorities. And to this day, we don't know what they did with it. This is why Lindsey Grant keeps threatening, you want to call witnesses? We'll call witnesses. What the hell happened here? Where was everybody on law enforcement? And we're not talking about the frontline guys and gals. We know where they were. They were trying to protect the uh, building. But where were the chiefs? He goes on, we were monitoring the actions and demeanor of the crowd, which at the time did not raise any concerns. When we received word at 12.52 p.m. that a pipe bomb had been located at the Republican National Committee headquarters, immediately adjacent to the Capitol grounds. We responded immediately to coordinate and send resources to the scene, including a a number of officers, suspects, and vehicles. At almost exactly the same time, we observed a large group of individuals approaching the west front of the Capitol. This is before the president finished his speech. Now the kicker is the next paragraph. But since I only have 45 seconds, I can't do that until after the bottom of the hour. The kicker is the next paragraph. I have this letter. It's a week old. I just saw it today. The media have this letter. The media have the information that John Solomon and his group had the investigative know-how to dig up with respect to some of these prosecutions in which federal prosecutors are indicating the pre-planned efforts, the various groups involved, the coordination well in advance of the president speaking, and they're sitting on it. They're censoring it. Because to do otherwise demonstrates that Donald Trump once again is an innocent man and he didn't incite a damn thing. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Have you gotten your letter from the IRS yet? These last few years have not been easy on the American family. And with tax season finally arriving, there'll be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them. Well, America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-806-1299. Hello, 800-806-1299. And you'll be in touch with the America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS and help put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today. 
by calling 800-806-1299. That's 800-806-1299 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Levin. Again, 800-806-1299 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash L-E-V-I-N. Mark Levin was a kid. His teachers didn't like his snide sense of humor. Today, they still don't like it. Call Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. They also didn't like it when I used to shoot paper clips into the lights that were hanging down from the ceiling or throw little clay balls at people and then turn around and not get caught. But those were the early days. You know, I got better. Now you'd wind up in Sing Sing or something, you know, Mr. Producer? Drag him off. Drag him off, never to be seen again. Send him to Xi in China. Anyway, uh, let us continue. Here's the killer paragraph by the former head of the Capitol Police. I just want to make sure I get his name correct. Mr. Sund, S-U-N-D. Listen to this. When the group arrived at the perimeter, that is at the perimeter of the Capitol building, before Trump finished his speech... They did not act like any group of protesters I had ever seen. Unlike other heated protests, these protesters did not simply congregate to angrily voice their grievances. As soon as this group arrived at the perimeter, they immediately began to fight the officers. It was immediately clear that their primary goal was to defeat our perimeter as quickly as possible and to get past the the police line. This mob was like nothing I have seen in my law enforcement career, which is 30 years. The group consisted of thousands of well-coordinated, well-equipped, violent criminals. They had weapons, chemical munitions, protective equipment, explosives, and climbing gear. A number of them were wearing radio earpieces indicating a high level of coordination. Now, Mr. Producer, why isn't this receiving concentrated and repeated media attention? Because it gives the lie to what Liz Cheney put out in her statement and others on January 12th in which he said, much more will become clear in coming days and weeks, but what we now know is enough. The President of the United States summoned this mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. Everything that followed was his doing. None of this would have happened without the President. The President could have immediately and forcefully intervened to stop the violence. He did not. There's never been a greater portrayal of a, by a president of the United States of his office and his oath to the Constitution. I will vote to impeach the president. This is contemptible, even a week later. She had no facts, she had no evidence, and she didn't care. And the Republicans in the House, with the support of Kevin McCarthy, voted to keep her in the number three position in the House. The head of the conference, where she messages for the Republicans, where she's supposed to be 
strategizing with the Republicans? One of ten to vote to impeach and therefore remove a president who was already leaving office in a rushed attack on Donald Trump without any due process whatsoever. This is why you wait for facts. This is why you don't rush on matters of this sort of thing. This is why you have hearings, you gather evidence and so forth and so on. The FBI would be called and what did they know and when did they know it? The former head of the Capitol Police, the two sergeants of arms, presumably Pelosi and McConnell, who know what, when, when. And you would have learned what? Yet Donald Trump's speech had nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with it. When the group arrived at the perimeter, they did not act like any group of protesters I had ever seen because they weren't protesters, ladies and gentlemen. They were militia. This is why Jake Tapper and the others call everybody insurrectionists. This is why Jake Tapper and the rest of the media have not dug into this to find out who these people are, what groups. This is why they haven't bothered going to the courthouses, or at least going online, and looking at the charging sheets against these individuals. Because they don't want to change the narrative. It's about Trump, and it's about tens of millions of his supporters and hundreds of thousands of people in the mall. But it's not about Trump, and it's not about tens of millions of his supporters or the hundreds of thousands of people at the mall. It's about these thugs. But they don't want it to be about these thugs, whether they be white supremacists or neo-Nazis or whatever they are. They don't want it to be about them. They want it to be about you. They want Trump to have incited an insurrection when he didn't. They want to keep using the word insurrection in a broad brush to smear us. And then they take it steps further. Conservatives groups being banned from this, that, or the other. People who attended the protest who had nothing to do with this were not involved in any of these groups. Losing their jobs. And then they take it yet another step. Ted Cruz must have incited an insurrection. Josh Hawley incited an insurrection. Or to quote the late great Chuck Schumer, an erection. 140 Republican members of the House incited an insurrection. Talk radio incited an insurrection. Fox incited an insurrection. Everybody's inciting insurrections other than the, the vain, narcissistic, egomaniacal, vile, poisonous, hate-filled morons on the left. Whether they be in Congress or so-called reporters. Now you know exactly what took place here. Well, not all the details, but exactly. You have the, the knowledge that no viewer of CNN or MSNBC or CBS, NBC or ABC or these clown morning shows like The Morning Joe. Scarba hasn't figured out. People are watching him. For the same reason people will look in the eye hole in a padded room in an insane asylum and watch somebody bounce off padded walls. It's a sick form of entertainment. And so they watch the Scarboroughs. 
effectively bouncing off padded walls in the conga line of schmucks that they bring on the show. This was pre-planned, radio earpieces, and so forth and so on. Chemical munitions, protective equipment, explosives, climbing gear. Spontaneous, Liz Cheney, are you an idiot? Yes, you are an idiot. You're an idiot. And then she goes on with Chris Wallace on the Sunday show. There's a combo for you. And she says, of course you would do this. She's upholding the Constitution, don't you know? She's upholding the Constitution of the United States. It was a matter of conscience for her. She had to stand up for the Constitution. Really? She's standing up for the Constitution, ladies and gentlemen. Now that's not too uh, self-aggrandizing. Liz Cheney's standing up for the Constitution. Everybody else is not, you see. She's standing with Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and Gerald Nadler on the side of the Constitution. She's standing with Chuck Schumer on the side of the Constitution. She's standing with Eric Stalwell, one of the managers in the House, on the side of the Constitution. And she wouldn't take a word back, no matter how many. In fact, she says there's going to be extensive, really extensive criminal investigations going on. I don't know, Liz. I just quoted from Just the News which looked at these criminal investigations and charges and found that you're way out of line, way out of line. Because the more we know, the more we know that there was no incitement by the president for an insurrection, Liz. And the party in Wyoming is correct to censure you. And I hope you're defeated by primary opponent because we need people, particularly in Republican leadership in the House, who are sober, not talking about drunk, sober thinking, who truly do believe in the constitutional system, who have a better understanding of impeachment and trials than Chuck Schumer and Andy McCarthy, who are people going to stand up to the mob, whether the mob is in the media or whether they're charging the Capitol building. They're going to keep their heads about them. But you're not one of them, Liz. You're not one of them. And then you go on Chris Wallace and you continue to attack the president. You continue to pat yourself yourself on the back. Embarrassing performance, really. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you an individual or business owner facing the heavy burden of back taxes, levies, or wage garnishments? Life's challenges, especially those brought on by the economic impact of COVID-19 and inflation, can take a toll on your financial well-being. Now, the IRS has eliminated over a billion dollars in tax penalties and interest for back taxes. America First Tax Group is here to help you claim your share of these billions in tax relief before the IRS can claim the government share and clamp down. Call them now, 800-806-1299. The IRS has people working to collect your money, but it's time to turn the tables, folks. America First Tax Group is a full-service tax boutique that puts clients first. They understand the stress of dealing with tax problems, and they will be your guide through the process. 
Don't wait. Time is of the essence. Call America First Tax Group. Here's the number. 800-806-1299. 800-806-1299. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Levin. If witnesses are called, then Pelosi, McConnell need to be called. What did they do, if anything, with the information? The information didn't get to them from their own sergeants of arms? Is that possible? Well, they're still there. At least Pelosi's is. So here you have endless, relentless propaganda being beaten into the public by frauds like Jake Tapper. By frauds like D. Lemon, by frauds like Wolf Blitzer, by frauds like Andrea Mitchell, by frauds at the Washington Post and the New York Times and these other places. They have access to everything that I have just relayed to you in the last two hours. They have all of it and probably more. But they want you to believe something else. I look at the facts. That's what I'm trained to do. Before I was a radio broadcaster, before I was a TV broadcaster, before I was an author, I was and am a practicing attorney. I was president of a foundation, a legal foundation that duked it out with some of the best lawyers. Not these clowns on TV. Hey, you know what I used to do? Who cares? We filed brief after brief into the United States Supreme Court and fought hard on a number of issues. I am trained to think this way. I am trained to give attribution to people who work hard and think hard and write hard rather than steal their stuff. And I was always taught that way, to be moral and to be ethical. You know, several weeks ago, there was a piece in the Washington Post. And we talked about it briefly. There was a piece in the Washington Post, I think it was three reporters. And they tried to tie me to the Proud Boys. And they tried to tie me to the sad death of one of the protesters who died of a heart attack. So they wanted their readers to believe that I was part of this mob, if not there in person, egging them on. That I am some kind of neo-Nazi and white supremacist. Yeah, we Jews, we tend to do that, you know. All my academic accomplishments, all my scholarly accomplishments, all my constitutional arguments here on the air, Absolutely ignored. They have to create a persona that does not exist because this is what the neo-Marxist left do. Whether they're dressed up as writers, dressed up as politicians, it doesn't matter. They seek to crush their opponents with lies and smears. And they know, thanks to a radical Supreme Court in the 1960s, 
they're very well protected. They're very well protected about lying and smearing and character assassinating. But they're not 100% protected. Moreover, moreover, one of the reporters, Paul Fari, tried repeatedly to create the impression that my partner in this business, Cumulus, had sent me and a few of the others a memo admonishing us, and they had never sent us a memo admonishing us. I wouldn't tolerate it for two seconds, but they never did. And so that has been repeated endlessly by the media. So they're trying to create a fiction, a fiction, And I put them on notice that that will not be tolerated here. And any effort that succeeds in undermining my business and contractual association with my partners will result in a brutal legal response from me. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, in addition to $1.9 trillion, I've made the point to you that we have 6.3% unemployment. Uh, that is not an unusual level. It would have been in the Trump administration where he had it down to like three and change, but during Obama-Biden, that was about the average. There was no need to spend $1.9 trillion. The Congressional Budget Office says we're having an an economic turnaround by mid-time this year. So Biden's going to kill it. Or he'll benefit from it early on and then kill it. So you have this massive deficit spending, not to, not to deal with COVID-19, but to pay off the Democrat mayors, the Democrat governors, public transportation, public sector teacher unions, because they deserve it if anybody does, of course. It's all your money. Then I look at the headlines that the House Democrats have unveiled an enhanced child tax credit plan where every child would get a $3,600 tax credit in a family. This is the earned income tax credit. This is a check you get. It's handed to you. The earned income tax credit, which costs us an enormous amount of money. It's basically a steady welfare payment without any 
conditions attached other than you have children. So if you have two children, you get $7,200. If you're a couple that earns $150,000 or less. Isn't that shocking, Mr. Producer? How they're throwing money around like this? It's just unbelievable to me, and nobody is objecting to this. This is on top of Biden officials considering action on a plan to cancel up to $50,000 in student loan debt. He's actually thinking of doing this without legislation. Without legislation. It's incredible to me what's going on. And of course, Jake Tapper is focused on hate and lies. But it is amazing, is it not, ladies and gentlemen? Now, the Congressional Budget Office, with the $15 minimum wage proposal, has said that will kill 1.4 million jobs. 900,000 people will be better off and out of poverty. 1.4 million people will be worse off and headed for poverty. But Biden doesn't care about that any more than he cares about the men and women who lost their livelihoods on the Keystone XL pipeline. And to show you how a man who's been in Washington 50 years has no idea what he's doing or all the little spokes idiots surrounding him who've never, ever done any work outside of a think tank or some kind of left-wing organization. I forget who it was. They made an excellent point today, but it's, it's obvious, but it needs repeating. If you are working on the Keystone XL pipeline, and they're saying you're going to have new energy jobs, what new energy jobs exactly are they talking about? This isn't my point, but I just, what new energy jobs are they talking about? What are they talking about? Oh, you'll make solar panels. Well, where are we going to make solar panels? In Beijing? Because they make most of the solar panels. Where are we going to make these solar panels? Oh, we'll make them, you know, in Silicon Valley in California. Or we'll make them in Austin, another Silicon area. Or we'll make them around Boston, another... We'll make the... So in other words... You got to sell your home. You've got to leave your community, take your kids out of school, leave your, your immediate family, fathers, uh, uh, fathers, mothers, grandparents, if you can even qualify for such a job since you've been working on pipelines most of your life. You see, it's not going to happen. These people are not going to be working in green jobs. It's not going to happen. They have lost their livelihood. Their careers have been destroyed. It's like asking a lawyer to be an electrician. Lawyers are notably incapable of being electricians. It's like asking a proctologist to be a cardiac surgeon. Well, that's the wrong end. They don't know how to be a cardiac surgeon and vice versa. It's like answering, ask, you know, asking a teacher to teach in the classroom. Doesn't happen, Mr. Bedus. So these are all lies, all narratives pushed by the radical left. You know, it's always amazing. We've talked about this on radio over the last 20 years, too. The Democrat Party cobbles together these, 
these constituent groups. So they've managed to cobble together unions, or at least union bosses. And the radical environmental movements that want to destroy those union jobs. They want to destroy the oil jobs, the pipeline jobs, the steel jobs, the construction jobs, the aluminum jobs, the assembly line, car building jobs. They want to destroy it all. Smokestacks, we call them, smokestack industries. They want to destroy them, and they vote for Biden. And the people who want to destroy them, they vote for Biden. Not all of you, of course. You know what I mean. And there's Trumpka, big fat slob, head of the AFL-CIO, acting like it's a surprise. Oh, the Keystone XL pipeline. I wish he hadn't done this on the first day. What does that mean, Mr. Producer? Wishes he hadn't done it on the first day? I don't even know. As long as he does it, but not on the first day? There's your union bosses. Pulling down hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, paying themselves unbelievable pensions, medical care better than Fauci has. He's surprised. Meanwhile, for all of you individuals out there who work and work in all those fields I said and others, driving trucks, putting groceries on the shelves and doing all those things. Biden has another plan for you. He wants you all to be unionized, whether you like it or not. He wants to massively expand private sector unions. Now, why? Is he doing that because it makes... No, ladies and gentlemen, what have I told you? Always remember this, because now the backbenchers on TV and radio are regurgitating it. It's not just about power. It's power for the Democrat Party. Party comes first, whether it's Moscow, whether it's Beijing, or whether it's Washington. Party comes first. That bill is now opposed by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce can go to hell. They're a disgusting operation that only cares about the corporatists. But the bill would make it illegal to permanently replace striking workers. It empowers the National Labor Relations Board, which is notoriously left-wing, to overturn a Democrat workplace unionization election and forces millions of freelancers to join unions. This is Joe Biden's America. Let's stop talking about Bernie Sanders and AOC and the other nut jobs. Joe Biden is all in. Joe Biden is all in. Finally, the lying, plagiarizing, groping, stupid backbencher of a senator is president. And he's found his zone. And his zone is legacy. He can't get a legacy as a moderate, as a centrist, as a bipartisan. If you're a Democrat, the only way you can have a legacy is to push the Marxist agenda. Whether it's on critical race theory, whether it's open borders and illegal immigration, putting Americans out of jobs, so be it. Whether it's destroying and centralizing our health care system. Whether it's refusing to deport violent criminals. 
giving citizenship to millions and millions of illegal aliens. And here's the thing. If you conduct yourself that way as president, the media will applaud you. The left-wing historians that populate our universities and colleges will celebrate you. And your party, your party simultaneously will become so powerful that it's undefeatable. So, of course, Joe Biden, always the opportunist, always the chameleon, has now gone from embracing white supremacists, real white supremacists, and segregationists, to embracing black nationalists and Black Lives Matter. In one short lifetime. Joe Biden is no moderate. He is the most radical and extreme president in American history. Maybe Liz Cheney will wake the hell up and confront that. Maybe Mitch McConnell will get serious and confront that. Maybe Ben Sass will shut his big mouth about Trump and start opening his big mouth about Biden. And all the rest of them. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let's take a few calls. What do you think, folks? Let's go to David Macon, George, on the Mark Levin app. Law professor. David, how are you, sir? I'm fine, thanks, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. I really enjoy your analysis of the Constitution. I want to circle back in the uh, words of our uh, <laughs> our press secretary to the beginning of your show when you were talking about the uh, uh, Mr. Cooper's uh, op-ed, and you said that, he really didn't have anything there, and you pointed out that there was nothing in the uh, the papers, the records of the Constitution, and Matt Madison's notes on there that would support that. But I wanted to embellish it by pointing out that actually there is a lot in there that would really clarify what was going on, uh, and that, that, that what's going on tomorrow should be to say that it's unconstitutional. It, they picked this up only on July 13, uh, July 19th and 20th of 1787 during that Constitutional Convention. They had just briefly mentioned it a couple times before then, but they got into a real uh, discussion of it in the context of other things as well. But those two days were the big days on impeachment. And it started off with uh, Mr. Governor Morris, who was quite the 
Virginia plantation guy, but he was wealthy, I guess, but he was the biggest opponent of slavery of anybody in the uh, Constitutional Convention. But anyway, he said, he he started it off, and he spoke, of those two days, he spoke more than anybody else in that first, and he, but he, he spoke at the beginning at length and then shut up. But the uh, he said the executive being impeachable would be a dangerous part of the plan. I'm reading from Madison's note. Right. It will hold him in such dependence that he will be no check on the legislature, will not be a firm guardian of the people and of the public interest. He will be the tool of a faction of some leading demagogue in the legislature. So he's, he might have been just as well been predicting uh, people like uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck mm-hmm. Schumer. Then, so two days go by, or you know, all the argument goes on, and then at the very end, they go back and forth, and a lot of people make a lot of interesting arguments, and then he's this elder statesman kind of guy, and he, he kind of he comes in at the end. He's the last person to speak before the vote, and he, he changes his mind, and, and he says, um, what does Madison say about this? He says, uh, uh, Mr. Morris's opinion has been changed by the arguments used in the discussion. He is now sensible of the necessity of impeachments if the executive was to continue for any time in office. And then he goes on to say that um, Morris says that... Uh, the, Hold on, the, stop right there, the, Professor. If... Read the word again. If... Yeah, it says, if the executive was to continue for any time in office. If so, the executive was to continue any time in office. Go right ahead. He's not going to continue for any time in office. Mr. Governor no. Morris wasn't uh, interested in having impeachment. But he, he was conceding. He said, okay, we'll, we'll give an impeachment, but it's only to continue for any time in office. And then he also said that uh, it should be limited by uh, a, a list. You uh, uh, should be impeachable for treachery, corrupting his electors, and an incapacity. And, and then he said, even then, he should be punished not as a man, but as an officer and punished only by degradation from his office. He goes on to say, the magistrate is not the king, but the prime minister. The people are the king. When we make him amenable to justice, however, we should take care to provide some mode that will not make him dependent on the legislature. And that was it. That was the discussion. They, they, they uh, at that point, um, voted. And, uh, and they agreed to the impeachment, as suggested by Governor Morris, the last word on the subject, uh, and it was, uh, I think it was eight to two. Now, let me ask you a question, Professor. Anything in there at all that supports the Cooper-McCarthy notion that, well, of course, it's self-executing and you're out of office? No, I, 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 see, I, I think you're There's right. not a damn syllable, is there? I, not that I can tell. I mean, it's, it's, I think you're, you use the word pretzel to describe his argument. And I, I have to say, I mean, Mr. Cooper is a... He's usually a very good lawyer. He's, he's got a lot going on upstairs. He's a smart guy, but I think he just got a little too smart on this situation. And uh, I, I just, I'm not sure what's driving him there, but. Oh, I am. He hates Trump. He used to represent Bolton. I'm, I'm clear what's driving all these guys. McCarthy had a book on impeachment on Obama, so he's trying to be consistent. I'm trying to be accurate. And I'm glad you called. I remember those 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 sections but you brought him to, to four. I re- that's very, very important. I hope the impeachment lawyers, the presidents, are listening. And you're right. It, it, is, it is a counterintuitive argument, and it is an argument that runs counter to what Morris was saying. And there's not a single framer that embraced any of what's being discussed today. Not one. You just got to read like three pages, you know, in the, <laughs> in the books here. You go to the Yale Avalon Project. They, they've yeah, got the exact transcript. 
You know, I even cited that in Liberty and Tyranny. I said that E.L. Avalon project is, um, it's great, isn't it? Oh, it's terrific. The original but, documents and thing, so forth? Um, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned, yeah, Trumka. Uh, Trumka knew about the uh, pipeline thing, of course, because if you read the Time magazine uh, discussion of the shadow campaign, it's clear that the AFL-CIO was heavily involved in that. It led it. Their guy led it. Yeah. You're right. Their lawyer. Yes. All right, Professor. I won't ask you if that's your real name or where, where you're a uh, professor because you'll get oh, blown out. around here knows me. Yeah, yeah. Well, do me a favor. Yeah. Call back often. The, re- the retrobates like Randy Barnett and John Eastman, we're, we're in the... Well, you know they're boys. my buddies. Yeah. <clears throat> so I would know who you are? Uh, maybe. Maybe so. All right. Well, keep up the good work. <laughs> Take care of yourself. How do you like that? Only on the Mark Levin show. But it should underscore your point, the uh, your belief system. The reason they don't cite any part of the Constitution accurately or any of the history, any of Madison's notes, is because their position is non-existent. Non-existent. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. We have some very important callers, just folks like everybody else, not famous, but people who've experienced certain things that I think have information to give us that's very, very important, so stick with me. Let us see. Uh, Let us go to Evan. Denver, Colorado, XM Satellite. Evan, go right ahead, please. How you doing, Mr. Levin? All right, my friend. <laughs> Good. Well, you know, I wanted to call in um, and express a different angle from this whole renewable energy uh, debacle. Right. How about a contractor that has spent four years building his installation crew? We're not talking about the big you know, sales companies and all that stuff, but the guys that actually put it on your house. Put the, put right? the solar panels on the house, okay. Yeah, we actually do that. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what's going to happen to us? So Biden says, okay, we're going to put all these guys in renewable energy. Well, we're skilled contractors too. 
we've spent four to five years building up our skills. And there's no way we're going to let any of those guys come onto our turf. You know what I'm saying? It's. I think it's, what you're saying is if you have men and women who've been in other fields for much of their lives, and now all of a sudden they flood into the solar area, first of all, they're not trained, they're not experienced, and it's not so simple. It's not. And more than that, you're talking about people who are working in other parts of the country. They're not all going to come to Denver, Colorado. No. And not only that, we've, we've put our life and blood into this. And, of course, we think we need renewable energy. But you know what? We need natural gas and we need oil, too. Of course. We, we have to I'm not it. against renewable energy. What I'm against is the government socially and economically engineering things and destroying them. You have a market system. The market system is not a theory. It's a reality. The market system is the closest thing to human behavior that we have. What they do is they have a few knuckleheads at the top who've been in Washington the vast majority of their lives, who've never done anything in the private sector, anything. And all of a sudden, they're telling everybody what jobs they're going to have, how they're going to get them, and so forth. And it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. And we went to a – my business partner and I went to a private trade school. When we got out, we were both looking for jobs. We went to work for small companies. He tried to take me to a Bernie Sanders rally. So I took him to a Larry Johnson rally. And he is now a proud conservative libertarian. so, So he went from communist to libertarian. To libertarian conservative. Ah. He even voted for Mr. Trump as well Mm -hmm. this last cycle Mm -hmm. because he knows what it's like now to pour your heart and soul. By the way, do you think you guys are going to be untouched just because you have a solar company? They're going to drive up your costs. They're going to determine who you hire and how you hire. All kinds of stuff. Your taxes are going to go up. Everybody's going to be punished, even the renewable energy field. People just don't know it yet. Yeah, we're all 1090. All right, I don't blame you for cursing, but we can't do it. I'm Did you sorry, get that, I Mr. Producer? Sir, but all right. It, it's, it's, it's a word I use often, but, but and my wife admonishes me. It's not the F word. I never use that word. I never use the F word, Franklin. You shouldn't. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. All right, Evan, thank you. There used to be a commercial. It used to crack me up. <laughs> This old guy is shocked by something, and he says, my God, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And I thought that was, I couldn't stop laughing. I don't know why, I just couldn't stop. All right, here we go. Let us go to Curtis, Santa Rosa, California, the great KSFO. Curtis, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm very good, and uh, it's an absolute honor and a privilege to talk to you, sir. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. But what I, I, I listen to your show every day, and I wanted Wonderful. to throw it out there. Uh, I've got 36 years in with the uh, Carpenters and Pile Drivers Unions out on the West Coast. Yes, sir. And before that, I worked in the oil patch, both as a roughneck and an engineer. And I, uh, during the, my career as a carpenter, I built the um, uh, uh, um, Solyndra uh, plant in um, the Bay Area, um, right next to the um, where they where they did build uh, Teslas, 
And yeah. that, that the purpose of that project was to build solar panels. That was during um, uh, Obama. Uh, Obama's run. Is it me? still running? Is Solyndra still working? Oh no! Of course not. I don't think they ever made. I don't think they ever made a solar panel there, ever. Mm. Uh, we got it done, and then the the market fell out of the bottom in the solar panel market mm-hmm. uh, domestically because China could China undercut them. them. See, China doesn't worry about unions. Oh yeah, China undercut them. Well. He sure did. I mean, and uh, so so that's been tried already. That was during Obama. So now let me let me let me tell you something, Curtis. I love guys like you. You want to know why? Yeah. You do things I can't do. Seriously, I have to rely on men and women just like you. I'm, I'm quite serious to eat, to drive, to have my home. This is why I get furious with these left-wing policies where they claim they're going to help people like you. They're not helping anybody. Opening the border to illegal aliens, driving up the minimum, doing all they just let the market work. For God's sakes, leave it alone. But they can't. And they won't. Yeah. I want to thank you, Curtis. You're right on, man. Thanks for your call. Brian Henderson, Texas, XM Satellite. Brian, go right ahead, please. What a thrill, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Brian. I'm a pipeline inspector, have been for 13 years. Uh, yeah. You know, put the, a, a big part of my life. I'm 53 years old. Prior to that, I worked in uh, other aspects of construction. But as they talk about this Keystone XL and all the union jobs, I think people aren't getting the whole picture. For every union contractor, a lot of times, uh, whoever owns that, they have a sister company that's non-union. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of stuff in Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, in the South, you know, it's not union work. Mm-hmm. A lot a lot up north, northeast, a lot of that is union work. But these pipeline projects that are thousands of miles long, mm-hmm. they break them up into spreads. You know, generally 150, 100 to 150 miles a spread. And a union contractor will, will have a spread, non-union, and so forth. So when they talk about all these jobs that are lost, that's probably a, a third of the real number in just the pipeline side. Oh, interesting. So when you're saying they say we've lost 11,000 union jobs, you're saying, wait a minute. You're talking about 25,000, 30,000 jobs here. Exactly, because there's just as many, if not more, non-union contractors doing the same pipeline construction it's unbelievable to me to do this and not only that they're talking about other pipelines pipelines are the cleanest most efficient way to get fuel from point a to point b we've been doing it for over a hundred years so we wouldn't have to use trucks and trains it's the least dirty way the least uh, polluting way available and they're doing let me ask you why is it that they want to stop economic growth and kill our energy independence this is suicidal well, and another thing, most of the laborers and a lot of the operators and a lot of these hands that are working out there, guess where they're from? Mexico. Mm-hmm. They're all out of work, too. And they're here doing the right thing. I've got nothing wrong with it. I have no problem with immigrants that come over and work and, and want to have the American dream. And that they're, they're hurting them just as much as the union worker that that gets posted on tv that doesn't have a job let me tell you what they they have figured out is the environmental movement the green new deals new deal movement is the quickest way to control the economy 
in the quickest way to control the society. Remember what I always say. This is about empowering the Democrat Party. They want permanent control. And I'll tell you something. You raised some very, very interesting questions, Brian, that remind me of something. You know, back when the Soviet Union was running strong, and America was running strong, they would always talk about the workers, paradise and the workers. Now, the funny thing was, an American on an assembly line would never switch places with a Russian on an assembly line. And that's the workers' paradise over there, right? You see, this Marxist, democratic, socialist mindset, while they like to talk about workers, while they like to talk about the the, uh, proletariat, the fact is, that's all window dressing. It's fascism that claims to be for the people. That's all communism is. It's fascism that claims to be for the people. What the Democrats want is one-party control here. That's what they want. They have it in California. They have it in New York. They have it in New Jersey. They have it in all these states. They want it for the whole country. And they need the environmentalists. They need the money from the environmentalists to do it. Then you have suckers like Trump and others who go for it anyway. Listen, so what are you going to do? Are you, uh, are you employed? Are you going to be employed? Or who knows? I, I finished a project, another major pipeline for Kinder Morgan. My last paid day was, was Thanksgiving. Oh, I had planned on taking the holidays off, um, you know, just because I'm gone months and months at a time, sometimes a year or more. And I was planning on taking some time off. I've drawn unemployment twice in my no, working lifetime. The other time was during Obama. I drew it for about, I got two checks and found a job, went back to work on a very small amount of time. I'm on it now. Me and my wife, we're trying to find something. Uh, and something. the truth is, it's not a lot of money, is it? It's not near what I made. I mean, I, I, no. it, was not, it was not uncommon for me to make $200,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Of course, I sacrifice a lot. I'm gone. I work all over this country. I miss everything with my kids growing up. But mm-hmm. I provided everything. You know, we never wanted for anything, and I'm scared to death now, Mark. I'm not, not going to lie. You know, I'm 53, and I'm, I'm supposed to just change. I'm college-educated, but, I mean, I've been doing this my whole life. And here you are doing your thing, working hard, paying taxes, and actually contributing to society in a big way, all you guys are. And now look at this. It's, it's, it's so terrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you, Brian. And God bless you and your family. We'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. 
I'm not going to play it for you folks, this phony interview by this Nora O'Donnell. She, be, she should be ashamed of herself, but of course she's not. She'll probably get a Peabody Award. I don't even know what that is. Uh, for an interview of the uh, late, great uh, Joe Biden. But Joe Biden basically is selling out to China. He's dropping the Trump policies. He's saying uh, we just have to learn that they have, they have to understand we're going to compete and everyone's going to follow the international rules. I mean, what an idiot. Does he know what he's up against? That's like telling... Brezhnev, you know, we're going to compete with the international rules or uh, or the Third Reich. We're going to just see so unqualified in every respect to lead this country. Just going down the checklist of the radical left-wing agenda. And hardworking men and women who work in so many of these fields, they're going to, they're going to get crushed. It's just It's just appalling to me. Let's go to Jennifer. Scranton, Pennsylvania... Uh, the great W.I.O.K. No, you know, Biden, I'm a Scranton boy. No, you're an idiot. You spent about 14 seconds in Scranton. Let's be honest. Then I'll never be back again. Anyway, go right ahead, Jennifer. Mark, it's a great honor to speak with you. I've listened to you for many years. Uh, I, I grew up, um, currently live just outside of Scranton, but grew up about 30 miles north of here among uh, struggling farmer, dairy farmers. Um, and fracking came in about a decade ago, and it brought all kinds of jobs to the local folks there who could, could work on the rigs or drive water trucks. And hotels were built to accommodate the workers. The money went directly to the people whose land what was being used or who had adjoining who's um, well fracking if you own land and uh, there's a vein that you goes got a under, piece of the action you got a great piece of the action my mm-hmm. parents had 10 acres and um, the money goes directly to them the well that they're they're drinking well the pond on our land was checked regularly with absolutely no contamination it's completely safe the farmers there love their land and would never ever permit um, anything to harm it. The the companies established. And, and by the way, just as a footnote, if this were a big problem, you'd be seeing story after story after story about it. But it's not a big problem. It's not a problem at all. Any more than pipelines are a problem. Go right ahead. Exactly, and I know that for I know I know that that's ab- absolutely true. And not only that, the 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 gas company built a hospital. My mom had pancreatic cancer and. Oh broke her hip, was able to recover very close to her home rather than dri- driving 30 miles Wonderful. to Scranton. She's in her 80s. My dad had Alzheimer's. They passed away, but, but my sisters and I now share the, the royalties, and we were able to start a small scholarship at a local Christian so school. So the bottom line is, because we're running out of time, is look how this, this resonates throughout an economy, an economy that was hurting maybe in many areas of the country, flat on the, their backs. But you know what the problem is, Jennifer? You're not in the inner city. You're out there in Republican areas or purple areas. You have no benefit to the Democrat Party. And so this is how they govern. They govern for power. They punish their so-called Republican red state enemies, and they embrace and redistribute and defend their base. Unfortunately, Jennifer, that music means I have to go. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I want to thank all of you folks for hanging in here. I try to do the best program I can. I'm worried about this country like you are, and it is mission, save the republic every night. God bless you, and see you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.